thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. All right, why don't we give Jesus a round of applause? How about that? Say hello to a person next to you. Tell them you look good tonight. You look good tonight. All right. Welcome home. If you are here uh, for the first time, welcome home. This is uh, your house. It really, really is. Um, and um, if is there somebody that is from out of town? Trey, are you here from, from Nashville? No? Trey was supposed to be here from Nashville, Tennessee. No? Here, here there are some good-looking people in this church. He's like, I got to go see it for myself. But anyway, uh, if you're here for the first time, would you just uh, let us embarrass you a little bit? Would you raise your hand if you're here for the first time? Welcome home. Welcome home, bro. Welcome home. Yeah. Welcome home. It's your house. Anybody else? No? No? I see some awesome familiar faces. Uh, yeah? Good, good. Okay, cool, cool. I want you guys to do something. I want you to say with me again. Again. Uh, there is something that most people overlook, and that is the power of again. Everyone can be amazing one time. Everyone can do it great at first. The question is, can you do it again, right? Greatness is not marked uh, by what you do, but greatness is marked what, what, by what you keep on doing when everybody else quits. Somebody please say amen. amen. You know that there's a great Power in resilience, in stick-to-itiveness, in the ability to remain, to keep on going. However, the truth is, if we were to look at our own lives, at how much we don't do it again, how much we intend to do it again, we mean to do it again, right? But at the end of the day, we end up not doing it again. We end up going halfway or making excuses for ourselves. If you don't know, we call this Formation Fridays. What's it called? Formation. All right. The reason is because today we don't just give milk on Fridays. Here's the crazy thing. The world right here, right now, without Christ, is getting drunk, getting high. Honestly, I know because I was in a place at some point in my life where I would work all week to try to go out Thursday night and Friday night and waste all the money Thursday, Friday, right? I was just looking at my phone, waiting to see which party and honestly lame parties would open up. We would call them kickbacks. Do you guys still call that? Or is that super old school, no? Yeah, what about what? What is it called? Backyard boogies. Hey, all right. They <laughs> say the, 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 anyway. <laughs> all right, all right. No, come on. All right, it goes like. Uh, okay, but we used to back in the day do that stuff. Friday night, and honestly, honestly, at the end, I look back and I'm like, I get chills, like thinking, ooh, how lame. You know, it's just almost like you go out there, you pose, trying to look for the ladies, ladies, you try to look for the guys. And honestly, at the end of the day, Friday night comes and you're still the same person. Maybe, maybe with a bunch of regrets, bad decisions, headaches. Do you know what I'm saying? Pretending like you were so drunk you didn't know what you were doing. It's like, come on, bro. Really? You really don't remember you falling off that table and smashing your face on the other table. Do you know what I'm saying or no? 
No, some of you guys are like, what are you talking about? I, I grew up in church. Okay, if you're there, awesome. Honestly, stay there. That's a huge testimony. But for most people, Friday nights is deformation Fridays. They deform their lives. They jack up not just their lives but other people's lives. I guarantee you most of the mistakes you made in your life happened on Friday night. Somebody please say amen. Yes or no. Most of the worst mistakes you've ever committed happened on Friday the night. Yes or no. Most of you say, no, 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 I made all my mistakes Monday morning. Yeah, right. All your mistakes happen on Friday nights. Well, I think we're going to change that, and we're going to start making the right choices, forming our lives, changing our lives Friday nights. Amen? So we call that Formation Fridays because you deformed it enough. It's time to start forming it according to the character and the image of Jesus Christ. Okay? So we know we know that tonight God's going to do something awesome in you. But in order for him to work, the first thing you need to do, the very first thing you need to do is recognize. Say with me, recognize. Now tell the person, you better recognize. <laughs> you better recognize that you need help. We need so much help. Man, say, so you really do need help. No, for real. No, seriously, you need help. And if you don't know the person next to you, it's a good way to get to know each other. Hey, you need help, bro. You need a lot of help. I need a lot of help. But in the first thing we need help in is recognizing that we need help. Isn't it strange how that happens? Once you realize, hey, man, I need help. Wow. The amount of mercy and grace that can come over your life when you say you need help. Man, I've, I've seen it in my own marriage. Listen. My wife needs help. She's here, by the way. Don't, don't think I'm talking behind her back. Um, but I need even more help. This is why God called her my ideal helper. Because I need help. I really need help. Now, I don't need her to do things for me, but I need help. If I don't realize I need help, grace is really difficult to pour it on someone who thinks they don't need help. Does that make sense? So, you know, I'm working, and I'm, you know, I'm working on something, and I ask somebody to do something, and they pretend like they know how to do it. It's really hard to help someone who thinks they know what they're doing. What if you were to act that way with God? Like, no, God, I got this. It's all right. It's like I could be a better God than you, right? It's my life. I know how to run it. You could just watch and learn, baby. You know, if you want a job, I'll send you an application. Does that make sense? How much of it is saying, God, I actually need help? Today, we really do need help. We need help in so many areas. But the first thing that I would just encourage you today is to learn to be teachable. We've been teaching the past few weeks about being fat disciples, right? I don't mean like P-H-A-T. I mean like F-A-T. What's the first one? Faithful. What's the second one? Available. And the last one? Teachable. We have to be faithful, we have to be available, and we have to be teachable. A person without faithfulness, even if it's full of talent, is just a waste, man. A person without faithfulness, even if she or he is great looking, I'm sorry to tell you guys, girls, not worth your time. Not worth your time. One of the most important things in any relationship is faithfulness. And guess what? With God is the exact same thing. Exact same, if not even more important, right? So a person, doesn't matter how much they know the Bible, if they're not faithful to the Bible, I don't care. They're just religious. They just know how to say actually, actually, actually all the time. Do you know what I'm saying? But are you faithful to what you're learning? Can you be faithful in the little things? Can you just be faithful to go to cell group? Somebody's like, oh, pastor, you know, you got to go there, right? We were doing good, the whole clubbing thing. Now all of a sudden you start talking about church, right? Going to church. Some people are more faithful to the boogie 
or the palace, if those places are still open, <laughs> or Florentine Gardens, you know what I mean, Lori? Or wherever, you, that's your cell group, man. You're so consistent at showing up, right? Uh, or a Starbucks. Some of you got faithful Starbucks goers. I know I'm not going to mess with you guys like that. I'm not, I'm not going to go there. But you can go there. We always say this. If you are so sick that you cannot go to church on Sunday, you shouldn't go to work on Monday. Right? If you're so sick that you can't go to church on, Mon on Sunday, then it should keep you also on Monday from going to work. But if you think you're going to make it work on, on Monday, hey, guess what? That's called faithfulness. Faithfulness doesn't just mean I'm not going to cheat on you, wife. What faithfulness actually means is this. It's not just I'm not going to cheat on your wife, but I'm actually, that's not even my radar. I'm going to do everything I possibly can in my entire being to be faithful to my words that I've spoken to you, my promises, my desires towards you. They won't change. They won't, they won't change towards something else. Does that make sense? My dreams are faithful to you. I'm faithful with my words. I'm faithful with my heart. I'm faithful with my money. Right? We could be very faithful with some things but not faithful in our giving. Don't even go there, pastor, please. I brought no people. Right? Okay. Every area of our lives requires faithfulness. The second thing is we talked about is availability. Right? Availability. Girls, if a guy says he likes you but he's not available, dump him. Guys, if a girl says she likes you and she's not available, she's just playing hard to get. Keep after her. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. But no, no. Usually availability, availability marks... Availability marks the spot, man. Availability tells you, yeah or no, right? If I call and call and call and I keep getting four rings and hang up, three rings and hang up, guess what? Your phone's not broken. <laughs> yes, you paid your bill. You just don't want to hit the green button. By the way, if that happens, I don't know if that ever happened to you guys before, uh, where you call, somebody calls you and you don't want to answer and you know who to be available to. You know who to be available to. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I know who to be unavailable to. Because true availability, the right availability to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, requires unavailability for other things, as we previously said. If you, if you haven't told, I've been over, I'm going a quick preview or, or an overview of what happened the last two weeks. So in order for you to be truly available to God, you must first be unavailable to other things. If I'm going to be available to my wife, I must be unavailable to so many others. This Monday, I had 47, 47 messages that I didn't answer. That's not even counting the rest of the other media or, or either, I don't know if it was 47 texts or 47 voice messages. It was ridiculous. Why? Because my Mondays, I'm available to my family, to my wife. I'm telling you guys this. Why can I be available to her? Is because I'm unavailable to all the other hers. You her? <laughs> right? We all must be unavailable to some. You cannot please everybody. The quickest way to go crazy is trying to meet the needs of all. It's trying to please everybody. That's the fastest way to be unhappy. Right? You're trying to please all people. Trying to be available to everybody. I'm sorry to tell you. If you're really going to follow Jesus, at some point or another, you're going to have to leave your nets. You have to leave your nets. You have to say, God, I want to follow you. I'm just being dragged down by 138 fish right behind me that I cannot stop from following me because I need them. You must first be unavailable. Hey, can I tell you this? Be unavailable in your cell group time. Be unavailable when you got to go to church. But why? I don't believe in organized religion. It's okay. We're not that organized. All right. <laughs> chill out, bro. You can help us be unorganized. Does that make sense? What we need most, I'm, I'm telling you, what we need most is faithfulness and availability 
You know, God, when he looked up for his 12 disciples, he did not look for intelligence. Some of you guys say, amen, right? Oh, man, right? Oh, God didn't look for money. He wasn't trying to. The rich young ruler, he was, man, he was the guy. He was religious. He knew the whole scripture. He knew he was like the guy that everybody was like, yes, that's, that's going to be the standard. That should be our next priest. You know what was this problem? Unavailability. He was unavailable to God because he was so available to all his financial commitments, to all the other people he had to please. To all, you know, I think it was Abe Lincoln that said, Abe, like if I knew him, right? Good old Abe. You know, like I think he said that if, if, if the world was blind, we wouldn't need, uh, we, wouldn't, we would have no need for furniture. We would have no need for other things that we spend money on. I don't know if I go that far. But you're not trying to please everybody else by the way things look. Today my wife made our bathroom look awesome. I don't know how she did it. It's this old, tiled, blue, nasty, like horrible looking bathroom. And then I walk in there. I'm like, wow, that looks beautiful. Honestly, I don't know why I'm talking about my bathroom. <laughs> just kidding. No, no, no. But, but the thing is that she is, is able to do something like, wow, she sees things that I don't see. And she's able to make things beautiful and all these things. But the question I'm asking you is this. Are you in God's hands? Are you making yourself available to God so they can beautify your life, change you, transform you? Are you actually able to say, yes, I'm available to you, God? Because I've been unavailable for these days to someone else. Some of you here need to cut some things in your life. And you need to stop being so readily available to some people that are draining you and hurting you and destroying you. And you start need to making yourself, you need to start making yourself available to the Lord and to people that are going to glorify his name. And we're going to show you how. Look, I'm not saying that you shouldn't talk to people that don't go to church. To the contrary, we're going to win the world for Jesus. Amen. 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 The bigger difference, though, is this, is if you don't know how to be a thermostat, then you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be around certain people. All you're doing is being a thermometer. You're changing with their temperature. Hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold. Quit going there. Quit talking to those people. You know, sometimes I can't even hang around some Christians. I can't. And I'm a pastor. You know why I can't? Because I feel softness taking over me. Like, I become soft. Yeah, you're right. Maybe I shouldn't be so radical. Maybe I shouldn't have such strong views about the world changing. Maybe people don't want Jesus now. You know, I met a guy, a pastor. I actually knew him for a long time. I was in line at the bank. I was telling him what the God was doing. He's like, oh, no. No, no. Young people don't want God today. Excuse me? You should look around you. Oh, they don't want God. Young people don't want God. All they care is about their phones. And I was like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but... Man, we want God more than anything. Amen? Yes or no? Come on, give God a shout of praise. Now let me get into teachability. Teachability means to be able to do it again. Teachability means, okay, you did it, great. Anyone can do it one time. Anyone can do it when they're telling them how to do it, exactly when to do it, and they're making them do it. You know you're truly teachable when the person doesn't have to be on top of you for you to get it done. You know you're truly teachable when you don't need 10,000 people begging you to please do something. Teachability is marked by, listen to this, how can you do it again? How can you do it again? How? Finding a way to do it again tells me the gauge or the desire of your teachability. Meaning, if you find a way to get it done again, 
If you find a way to do it again, that gap in between getting it done and the beginning of the process tells me how teachable you are. The amount of obstacles you had to overcome, the amount of strength you had to have, the amount of, man, resilience you had to get, right, to, to really out of your system in order for you to actually get to do it again. Because many times the first time is easy. Many times, listen, I do not officiate weddings unless we do a seven-week premarital course. And I've said no to my own cousin. Now, that sounds really harsh for some of you. Oh, that's messed up. They were paying my way to Cancun already. I had my ticket paid and everything. I said, I'm sorry, I can't do it. Let me tell you why. Because everyone can get married. Everyone can get married. I don't think you even have to be human to get married anymore. I'm telling you this seriously. I heard two puppies had a wedding. It's true. Like a big wedding, like a huge wedding. This hipster wedding was awesome. Better than my wedding. And I'm like, dude, that sucks, though. Literally, it sucks, dog. You know, but, but the question is, can you truly love your wife just as you did the first day, the next day again, and then the next day again, and then the next week again, and then the week after that again, and then the week after that again, and then after that again, and then after that, I guess what? One year goes by, and can you do it again the next year? And then the next year? And then the next year, and then the next year, and then the next year, no, I ran out of love. That's it. It's just too much. Next, No, it's too much. I'm out of love, pastor. I don't care if you're out of love. Do you have again in you? Is it in you? Like, really, do you have again in you? How many of you in this place recognize what I first said, that you need help in the again process? Man, I need help in the again process. Man, you know what? Honestly, Many times I have the desire to change. I have the desire to do things different. I have the desire to pray. This morning we had the girls, uh, you know, praying at 5 a.m. in this place. Raise your hand if you came. Wave your hand like if you just don't care. All right, I know there was more, more than you guys. But anyway, so maybe they're sleeping right now. But we had a bunch of women just interceding, praying at the 5 a.m. service, uh, 5 a.m. prayer. Next week, men, all of you men are invited to come 5 a.m. Friday uh, right here at 5 a.m. Is that Okay. It's too early. It's okay. Come to the girl one day. It's okay. Sorry, girls. Sorry, girls. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry, girls. But seriously. Okay. So if you, if you think for just a second that showing up one time to the gym is going to change your life, you need the power of? Again. Right? Showing up to the gym for the first time, signing up, getting the Costco two-year membership, it's not going to change you. It won't. I don't care how much you look at the weights how much you desire, how much you dream, how much you pray, how much you invest, how much meal prepping you do. I'm sorry to tell you, you have to do it again. Show up again. And then again. And then again. And then again and again. I'm trying to teach my four-year-old that we, Martinez, says we don't quit. We finish the job. You know why? Because my kid is a kid. And my son has your problem sometimes. Can I be real with you? Well, is your problem too? Fine, but we're talking about you right now. I got my wife to tell me this the entire week. Listen, my boy gets so excited. Point number one on how to do it again, by the way. Point number one on how to do it again. First thing that if you really want to do things again, the first thing you must do, very first thing you have to do is forget everything else. Forget everything else. If you want the power of again in you, you have to have the willingness to forget everything else. The good and the bad. The worst and the best. You ever met people 
they're the old-time glory guy people. You know, the old-time glory. Oh, yeah, I used to know how to skate, bro. You used to know how to skate. Oh, yeah, I used to know. You used to? You mean to tell me you used to be a professional baller and you can't ball no more? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I was. If you had it, you got it. If you had it, you got it. If not, then start training. That's all, that's all I'm saying. But what I'm trying to say is something so, so, so simple. Very, very simple. Some people get stuck in the good things they've done in their lives, right? So, for example, oh, I've already, I got this. I learned this. I've already done that. Does that make sense? Oh, I already, I already got paid this amount. Well, start training to get paid twice the amount. Amen? Well, well I, I've already accomplished this. Great job. Forget it. Forget it. Literally forget it. I'm the first one to graduate high school from my family. Go get college. I'm the first one to go to college in my family. Praise God. Go get your doctorate. Go get your master's. I'm the first one who, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's okay. Now what? Forget it. Literally forget it. Hey, you know what? I had an awesome devotional yesterday, Pastor. I'm not saying forget what God taught you. But don't live on the glory days of your spiritual life. Oh, yeah. God and I had an awesome night the other day. You're going to live off a one-night stand with God? He wants an actual relationship with you. So many, come on, give God a shout of praise. Why not? So many times, so many times we live of old glories. Old glories. I'm going to tell you a part of the Bible. You're going to absolutely love it. And I want you to do something. I want you to actually find it. I'm going to tell you the story. I'm going to tell you the context. I want you to actually go and look in the scriptures. This is man. His name is Mo. What's his name? Says, right? His name is Moses. And Moses is this guy who, who went up this mountain and he saw the glory of God. The Bible says that his face would glow. Like he would be like, oh, shining. And I'm not talking about like acne glow. I'm talking about like, bam, this guy is in the presence of God. You know what I mean? The kind of thing that people look and they're like, they can't even look at you because they feel like ashamed or embarrassed. I don't know if you've ever seen something like that. But I've been in a place where I've been in the presence of God where I can't even stand. I can't even just, honestly, it's like, oh, man, I feel like I should die right now. It's that beautiful. And Moses carried that with him. Bible says that he had to cover his eyes. He had to cover his face. He had to literally wear a veil. I believe Moses had to wear that veil, right? So people wouldn't get freaked the heck out because when they saw him, they're like, this guy looks crazy. I don't know how long Moses kept that veil on. I don't know if Moses at some point said, you know what? He looked in the mirror in the morning or at night. He took it off. He's like, oh, the glow is gone. My, my glow is gone. Like it's not there anymore. Oh, that hilltop. I remember that moment. And all of a sudden he looks and he sees the same old Mo, the guy before the presence of God. And I wonder if that morning he had, the, he had to make that choice, that decision. Listen, the Bible is not thick enough, not enough detail. But I wonder if at some point Moses looked at himself in the mirror and saw that thing. And he was about to go out to the people, the people he was leading. And instead of folding that neatly and putting it away for the next time, he just grabbed the veil, put it on again, and went out. As though he had still what he once had. I wonder if Moses didn't go out and pretended that the one glory, incredible moment with God was still happening in his life. Most of you in this room, myself included, 
we have the same fallen nature where we want to pretend like we can just run on yesterday's fumes or like yesterday's bread is good enough for tomorrow or like yesterday's investment into your family somehow some way it's going to satisfy next week's or like somehow some way what you learned in the scripture yesterday was enough to get you through tomorrow's troubles or maybe just maybe you like me many times simply don't want people to see what I haven't done listen what I haven't done Oh, we love people to see what we've done. Check this out. Mom, mom, look, look. Today we, we built a deck in our backyard and it's made out of glass and you could slide it. And it's like glass that you could stand on. It was awesome. Like, it was really cool. First thing I did is like, besides after jumping on it and, and Alex was here, Colin was here. We were here standing on glass over a jacuzzi. Like, it was amazing. Wasn't it amazing, Alex? Where you at? Wasn't it cool? You weighed, you weighed like 120 pounds. Times three. That's kidding. Now times two. No, two, right? 240, 230. That thing was standing like, plus me and Colin, that was like 500 pounds. It was awesome. Anyway, the first thing I did, guys, what did I do after standing? What did I do? I ran in my house. Euni! Euni! <laughs> right or no? Come, 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 come. Come see what we did. Come see. And Euni went out there and wait when he was there. Whitney, were you there? Did you see it? Wasn't it glorious? It was amazing, right? And it was amazing. The first thing I wanted was Emily to see what I did. I don't know. Stop it. You know, I didn't know. I was like, yes, this is awesome. This is your man, right? Her, the Bob the Builder. You know, it's like me. I can do it. You know, I wanted to show people what I've done. But listen, listen, what if, what if we, what if we, when we don't do things that we know we got to do, what if we've put the veil back on? Because we didn't do it again. You know what I'm saying? Because instead of spending time in the presence of God or in the glory of God, we just kind of pretend like everything is just fine. You know what I'm saying? Instead of in your marriage going and getting help, you put the veil on and pretend like everything is just fine. Hey, listen, listen. You should have been worshiping Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But when Friday comes, you just flow right into it. Some of you have a hard time getting in the presence of God because you don't know where it is anymore. You like lost, honestly, you've been in the presence of everything else and everyone else. So by the time the presence of God comes, it's something so strange. You have to reintroduce yourself. Because you, haven't doing, you have not been doing it again. Our devotionals. Hey, a church that doesn't read the Bible is just a bunch of religious people. The Bible has a way to change you, man. Listen, if you read the word of God, can I tell you honestly, seriously. And I'm not saying this because I'm just old school. But if you read the word of God, eventually begins to read your life. It eventually begins to transform you from the inside out. Jerks are not jerks anymore. It's crazy. It's amazing. My BFF, Pastor Freddy in Colombia, <laughs> he used to be a big jerk. Huge jerk to his girlfriend. Big jerk. You know what? Changed his life. According to his wife, who is the one that became his wife, right? And not the girlfriend and then the wife. No, it's the same person, right? And then Pastor Fred, they told me that what, one thing that changed him wasn't counseling. It wasn't the pastor telling him. It wasn't church. He began to read the book of Proverbs. He read the whole book of Proverbs. That's it. Just every day he would read the book of Proverbs. You know what that did? Brought fear of the Lord. Brought wisdom into his life. And he would stop speaking without wisdom to this woman who is amazing, incredible, Pastor Lore. They're an amazing team for God. You know what changed him according to his wife and according to him? It's just the word of God. You mean to tell me he didn't have to go to Dr. Phil? No, the word of God. 
Word of God straight up changed them. Seriously, saved them all that money. You get what I'm saying? Like, you and I have such answer in the Word of God. But we have to go to it again. Pastor, you mean to tell me that I, I read the Bible? No, no, no. It's not did you read the Bible. It's are you reading the Bible? Are you actually living a relationship with God? One night stands. One night stands cannot truly, truly form families. Hey, I'm telling you this. One night stands can't form families. Oh, maybe, just maybe, babies. Sure, good things will come out. Sure, great things can come out of your one night stands with God. Oh, but if you really, really want to build the kingdom of God, you're going to need more than one night stands. You will hate discipleship. I'm going to tell you, you're going to absolutely hate Christianity. I would actually tell you this. Please quote me for the rest of your life in this if you want to. I'm telling you this. That's how much I believe in this. If you try to do Christianity halfway, it's going to ruin you. You're going to hate it. And you're going to, I'm telling you, you're going to hate the church. You're going to hate God. You're going to get mad. You know why? Because it's not for, it's not a clearance kind of thing. You don't get it at discount. You don't do it halfway. Let me introduce you to a new concept for just a second. If I was to try to do my marriage halfway, I would hate it. She would hate it. And me. If I try to give Eoni 150 days of my life, she will hate me the other 150 something days. If I tell her, okay, fine, fine. I'll give you 350 days. Just give me six, all right? Six for myself. Well, what are you going to do with them? I don't know. I'll call Allison, Beth, Heather. It's just a little bit. Oh, no, you didn't. Right? But why? I'm giving you 350 days. What's wrong with you? <laughs> 350 days. Why are you so picky, so needy? God. Anything that takes, I'm telling you this, anything that you truly, truly, truly want to see grow and flourish, you cannot do halfway. Especially, especially life-transforming relationships. So, in order for you to truly, truly prosper in your relationship with God, you cannot go half-hearted. I'll tell you this. If you're going to go halfway, mark my words. Listen to me. If you're going to do it halfway, go live in sin. Do it right. Honestly, go, go get drunk. Go get high. Go get someone pregnant. Get yourself pregnant. If you're a guy, try it. <laughs> seriously, go do whatever you want. Man, go mess yourself up. Fill your veins with garbage. For real. I mean it right now. Seriously. Tonight. I'll endorse you, as a matter of fact. I'll tell you, you know what? I'll give you the first 20 bucks for it. Go around the world. Go live as the world. For real. I'm telling you this because you're bad advertisement for Christianity, number one. Number two, why am I telling you this? is going to sound so harsh and so messed up. My leaders are going to be like, Pastor, why did you do that? We work so hard to bring people here. And then you go and make them go away because of this. Let me tell you why. Because then at least you know it's real. Then at least you know that when you do come to God, it actually works. That when you actually do this, like, God, I want to give you my life, then at least you cannot blame God for the lack of change and the lack of transformation. Then at least you'll know that it wasn't his fault. It was your own. What the problem is is that we do it one time and we don't keep doing it and, and then we expect it to work. We expect somehow, some way, his majestic, mighty, powerful, incredible being to somehow, some way fit in one hour of our day. Really? That's how you want to live out this relationship? If I said to my wife that same thing I told you, she is a self-respecting woman. She won't give me half. And guess what? She won't take half. 50-50 doesn't work in marriage. 
No, it doesn't. It doesn't make 100% marriage. It takes 100% and 100%. Then you actually have a solid, somehow, someway, fightable marriage. And the same thing is with God. Yet we pretend like, hey, I'm going to give you a little bit, all right? And then if I like it, I'm going to go a little bit more, all right, God? And then if I really like it, if you come through, then I'm going to go a little bit more. But not until we do this thing, this dance thing, and then finally I get convinced by somehow you need to convince me that you're good enough for me, my magnanimousness, to give myself fully holy, kind of maybe, to you. Really? Really? If a woman... Or if a guy, who honestly, we're jacked up in so many ways. We would never do that with someone. What if you approach, what if a relationship approached you that way? Okay, well, um, first of all, we're not going to be friends, okay? You and I are not friends. But we're going to give this a shot. If I like you after a week, then we can keep talking. If I don't like you, then uh, I may come back again some other time when you've changed. And when you've said yes to the things that I like. And then somehow, some way, God's supposed to be okay with that. Like, you know, you guys, you're so right. I love you so much. Matter of fact, what else do I need to change in my scripture for you to actually get close to me? And we do that so often, don't we? Today's an incredible night for you, I promise you. Because if you're going to be cold, be cold. If you're going to be hot, at least, at least you're going to be real. At least you're going to say, hey, this is me. Now, by the way, I'm not talking about perfection because that's called death. Perfection is when you actually go before the presence of God and he glorifies you and changes you and says, okay, boom done it is done I'm talking about a wholehearted commitment to God where look you're not struggling anymore you're not just struggling now you're in this for real like you really want to fight your sin should make you feel like you know what I'm saying like you should get nauseous at the fact that something's tearing you away from that which loves you most does that make sense it, it, you should feel I'm telling you you should feel the drain of the struggle. I practiced Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for a long time. I love, I love that sport. One of the things my coach used to do, he used to close his doors, make sure there was no window open, nothing. There's about 40 guys in this little room and just going at it for like, I don't know how long on the mats. Literally, sweat would be dripping from the ceiling. Like, you couldn't breathe. <gasps> you feel like you couldn't breathe at all. You have somebody's knee on your belly. You're trying to choke somebody with this heavy cotton gee. It was nasty. It was horrible, honestly, but it was awesome. You know why my coach used to do that? Because he was training us for the absolute worst. So that when we did go fight or when we did go train, you know, to, to the competitions, ah, there's breeze, there's air. It's easy, baby. It's so easy to do it now. See, we don't pay the price. We don't go hard. We don't go all the way. And when the storms come, when the tough times come, then we start looking for God. By then, it's too late to train. By then, it's too late to train. You're going to get knocked out, knocked off too quick too soon. This is the time where you do it again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start closing tonight with something so, so simple. The first point is long, but it's, it's really, you have to forget it. Forget about the good things you've done. Forget about the success. Forget about the great times you had with the Lord, the cell group you led, the, the people you won for Jesus, the healings you saw, the miracles, the moments of praise and worship. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, I got to preach one time in front of so many people. So what? You get what I'm saying? Like, oh, well, well, I got to, I got to heal, pray for this person. And he walked, man. He got out of the wheelchair. Awesome. Praise God. He did it. He did it. Well, pastor, but you don't even know, man. Well, the things we did at that one church that one time. 
Oh, yeah, when I was little, when we used to, stop. Forget it. Well, I read the whole Bible. So, forget it. At the same time, we also need to forget our failures. Man, I messed up already, Pastor. I used to have a relationship with God and, and I threw it all away. Okay. Did you know God threw away your sin the moment you repented? Why do you have to keep reminding him again and again? Wrong place for the again, baby. <laughs> Wrong place. God, but I messed up. Oh, thanks. For, oh, man, I forgot. I didn't even know you messed up. The Bible says that he throws into the depth of the, depth of the sea your sin, your failure, your transgressions. He won't go digging for them. You will. Master diver. <laughs> Sometimes we are so good at not letting go. And we can never do it again if we hang on. We've been hurt. So we won't let somebody else close to us. Because what if they, what if they do the same thing that they did to me before? What about if, what if you forget it? What if you forget and stop judging the people that God wants to send you by the people that sent God away? Does that make sense? What if? Kevin, I can see you from here, so I'm going to speak to you for a second because you're there because you're awesome. I could see your life changing, man. You got baptized on Sunday. Praise God for that. Come on. There's some things you need to forget from the past. Attitudes, mindsets, behaviors. You need to forget those. You know why? Because when God makes you new, he makes you brand new, all new. See, we need to forget some things. The way we are. I'm sorry to tell you, if it wasn't made, literally established according to the character of Christ, doesn't belong in you. But that's the way we are. No, it isn't. That's an imposter living in you. That's just not the way you are. Oh, man, but, but, but pastor, you don't know. I struggle with, with my sexuality. That's all right. That's your sexuality. Why don't you give it to God? Why don't you actually give that part of your life to God? God will do something so incredible. You see, man, but pastor, you don't know, man. I keep going back. I keep falling again. Okay, why don't you forget it tonight? First step, forget it. Forget it. Second step, so simple. It's simple, but it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. Let me repeat that. It's simple, but it's not easy. The simplicity of simply believing. I just believe. I don't understand. I know that's when you actually believe. Because if you believed, you wouldn't have to, if you understood, then you don't have to believe, do you? Right? Because it's really not faith. It's just you understanding everything and walking according to your understanding. Not according to faith. How is God going to do it? You know, honestly, I don't know. Some of you guys, whoo, I'm glad I'm not God. But God can do it again. Did you know? I study the scriptures and when I do, I see a God of again. I see a God this is awesome. I want you guys to just, as we close, I can't, I can't, I don't know how, I pray that God gives me more eloquence. Not so people can say, oh, what a good preacher. So that I could actually get these things out because they get stuck here and then the lack of, you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, if you could just see it, it's beautiful. You begin to, I just spat to the people in the front row. Sorry about that. I get excited. <laughs> God did something so ridiculously cool. When I look at my Jesus, this is so sick. 1 Kings 17, 13 through 16. And Elijah, Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said. 
But make me, therefore, a little cake first, and bring it unto me. And after make for thee, or for you, and for your son, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise, the, the cruise of oil fail. Check this out. I'm going to read on a little bit more towards the 16th. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail. According to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. The oil kept going and going and going. First Kings. Then I read the Bible and then I go to Second Kings. And I'm like, that was cool. Man, that was, lit. that was like lit. Is that how you say it now, young people? I'm so radical. Right? Rad. Um, is that old? Dang. <laughs> Fail. Now there cried a certain woman. Second Kings 4, 1 through 7. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elijah. Saying... Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou hast thy servant. Why did I put this old English version? It's the free one, that's why. And then it says a little further down by verse 7 or so. Verse 6, actually. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her. And she poured out, and it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, there's no more vessels. And the oil finally stopped. The oil kept on running and running and running. You see, this guy, Elijah, did this ridiculous miracle. No, it was God. And then, 2 Kings, the same miracle is needed. More oil, God. And God said, it's okay. I could do it again. At first, <laughs> I'm just getting started. Exodus 14, 21. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all the, all the night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. Oh. You can see the whales like in the Disney movie. You know? It's amazing. Joshua 3, 1, 3, 15 through 16. And as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priest that bore the ark were dipped in the brim of the water. Mm. For Jordan overflowed all his banks in the time of harvest. That the water which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city of Adam. Check this out. That is besides Jeratan. And those that came down towards the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. If you didn't understand, God parted the seas one more time. Again. He did it in Exodus. Now he does it in Joshua. 2 Kings 2.8. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smoked, smote the water. And they were divided. Higher, higher, or higher, higher, left to left, right to right. So that they too went over on dry ground again. Again. At first I thought it was only Moses. And then I remember, oh yeah, Elijah did it too. And then I saw Elijah. Oh man, Elijah also did it. 2 Kings 2.14. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord of God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted the waters. Left, left, right to right. And Elisha went over. <sighs> waters again. And then it hit me. I can see the trend all throughout scripture. One time, 
5,000 people fed by five loaves and two fish. And then I read a couple chapters ahead, and it seems like God has somehow, some way forgot. That's exactly what he did again. And so again, he does this miracle and feeds yet another multitude. And yet, again, the Lord comes through. I don't know what you need tonight. I don't know how bad your, your situation is. I know for sure for some of you in here, you're like, there is no way this sea is going to part. You know what the kind of miracle it would take for me to be in revival again? Do you know what it would take for me to get over that abuse, over that broken relationship? You know what it would take for me to have faith in God again? Do you know what it would take for me to be able to, to cross over to the other side? You don't know where I'm standing. You don't know what's between me and the other side. You don't even, I don't even know what the other side looks like. And I have a God who can do it again. And then again. And then again, and then again, and 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 again. And when you fail again, God can do it again. And when you fail a second time, God can do it a third time. And when you think you have nothing left, God says, it's okay, because I can do it again. And when you say, God, why are you forgiving me? You say, it doesn't matter. I can do it again. Why? Because I'm God. I don't need your permission to love you. I love you anyway. Again. But I messed up. I know. I was there. I saw you do it. Guess what? While you were doing it, I had already decided. Should he come? Should she show up? I'll do it again. I'll forgive her again. I'll lift him up again. I'll raise. I'll part the waters. Man, I'll part the waters for you. I'll feed the multitudes through you. Come on. I'll do it again and again and again and again. How many times are you going to mess up? The question is not how many times you're going to mess up. How many times is God going to forgive you? How many times? How many times? And the answer is, however many times it takes. As many times as it takes. Why don't you stand up and you got a shout of praise. As long as it takes. I love my God. I love my God. I love my God. How could you not love a God like this? In sickness, he heals. In financial problems, he provides. In trouble, he saves. In crisis, listen, he makes a way. In storms, he builds shelters that will not be broken. Again and again and again. Again, I love a God who somehow, some way, he forgets what you've done and he believes still in you. You know, the craziest thing about this is that God already saw your future. Like God already showed up at your future failures and he said, oh, my boy. Oh, my girl, I already knew you were going to fail. That's why I can do it again. Oh, man, you guys, you have no idea what's in it. Why can God trust you? Come on, why can God forgive you again? Because he already saw your end. Look, he doesn't just invade. He's not investing in waste. He's investing in something that he knows is going to succeed. He knows it's going to end up in an amazing place. He knows. He knows. If you're here tonight in church again, he knows. He would not just waste his heavenly, somehow, someway resources on someone who's just a failure. 
I remember a story, and I'll close with this. There's this little girl, this little, she got just so burned up. Her body was completely burned. And so she went to the hospital. You know, they, she was in critical condition. Some weeks after came, and there's this teacher, and she was sent, you know, to this, this program that they go teach kids in the, in the hospitals, right? And this little girl sitting there, completely wrapped up, machines beeping all over the place, kind of half awake, mouth completely dry. She's just there, not able to move. And the teacher shows up the first day, freaked out of her mind, not wanting to go to work that day, knowing she had to go to the hospital, teach a kid who may or may not listen. And by the way, she's probably not that good with these kind of things because of her own experiences. And so she goes to the hospital and she shows up in front of this little girl and she tries to teach her the vocals. Little girl's not repeating, doing nothing. There's no response. As a matter of fact, the doctors see her as a very difficult case. Something began to happen with this little girl. She began to fight for her life. Beep, beep. She started responding better. The medicine started working. All of a sudden, she started moving more, getting hungry, getting thirsty, wanting something to drink. She began to move a little bit. Teacher had to keep on coming, and she kept on coming. A few weeks later, this kid is completely different. The doctors are asking themselves, what's going on? This little girl had courage. Now, all of a sudden, she had this hope. Something beyond happened in her. When she finally was able to speak, <laughs> the teachers go up to, the, the nurses go up to the teacher and say, what are you doing with this little girl? I mean, she's changing. The moment you came, she began to change her life, her vitals. Everything began to respond. The teacher's like, I have no clue. Sometimes I don't even think she's listening. What do you mean? She's like, yeah, well, why don't we ask her? Come here. So the little girl is now able to speak. And they ask her, hey, how are you feeling? She's like, good. And they say, well, what's the teacher doing? What made you change? What made this, this happen? She said something so powerful. She said, well, I realized that they would not send the teacher to teach the vocals to someone who was going to die. There's investment. There's investment. Someone chose to invest in you. God sent people tonight to bring you to his presence. There's investment into your life. Don't you devalue it. Don't call common whatever God has called holy. Man, God is investing in you. If you're here tonight, you're hearing the word, God's investing in you. Man, God is investing in you. There's so much God is doing. There's boop, boop. You know what I mean? That hope. God says, I, I still got you. Somebody's still calling you? Hey, there's investment. Somebody's still telling you that the word of God is true and that he loves you so much, it's worth it. It's investment. Close your eyes. Let me pray for the greatest investment of heaven, and that is you. Let me pray for the one who God decided to pour the best. Someone said that heaven went bankrupt when Jesus came and died for you. And yet you rebel, and yet you turn, and yet he forgives, and yet he moves forward. Teachable attitudes. Begin. By forgetting, followed by believing, and ending by action. Action. That's how you do things again. Forget it. I believe it. I'm doing it right now. You don't wait till tomorrow. You don't wait till next week. I'm sorry. If you're those people, you live like that. Procrastinating. Leaving the best for last. And that last may never come. Today is the day. You want to change things? You want the power of again? First thing you need to do is forget. Second thing is believe. 
Yeah, but pastor, I can't forget. You don't know what that church did. I don't care what that church did to you. Jesus didn't do that to you. Well, you don't know what I've been through. I know I'm not you. I've been through stuff. We've all been through stuff. But guess what? God wants to do it again. The best thing in your life is still ahead of you. The again. Right there with your eyes closed. I want you to pray a simple prayer. And simply believe. Leaving behind the past. And believing and taking action. Telling them, God, I want to change. I want your life in me. I want to be the kind of people, Lord. That have the power to do it again. I want to invite the band to come up and help us sing this song. And I'm going to sing it as an anthem and so will you. And as they get prepared, you're going to pray. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, don't be a fool. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till the next day. To be honest with you, I'm not trying to be here like those weird cheap magazines you find on the, on the aisles of Ralph's. Where they give you the worst story possible. But the truth is this. You're on borrowed time and so am I. You have no idea what's happening and what's going to happen. I will tell you the borrowed time invested properly, invested wisely. Today is a great day to start the best of the rest of your life. Don't wait. Right now. Forget about the past. Forget about what you've done. Forget about all the things that you've, you've been through. The things that have been done to you. Forget for just a second and just tell them, God, I want to believe again. I want to believe again because you believe in me. I give you my life. Tell them, Jesus Christ tonight. Come on. I give you my life. I give you all that I am and all that I have. God, I give you my faith and my lack of faith. God, I ask you right now to give me the faith to believe all the things you have promised. I declare, come on, I declare, I declare that you have the power to do it again. I declare that you have the power to raise me again. Jesus Christ, I thank you for what you did at the cross. I know Jesus, I know Jesus, that if you had to do it again, you would do it for me. So Jesus Christ, tonight I give you my life as you gave me yours. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Forgive me, forgive me. Help me to live a life of repentance. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Thank you for resurrecting. Ooh, listen. Jesus came to this world. Was born. He was raised. The enemy thought he defeated him. He put him down. Oh, but he didn't know who he was messing with. There's a Jesus who had the power of again. And the Bible says that he rose again. My Jesus rose again. My Jesus rose again. Jesus rose again. In a week's time, we're going to celebrate Good Friday. Oh, it's a great Friday. Because my Jesus did it again. And on Sunday, it'll be Resurrection Sunday. Because my Jesus did it again. And again. And again, he can do it again. Why don't you sing this song with us? Sing it out loud and sing it with your heart.